You're listening to the Bill Kelly Podcast. Here's your host, Bill Kelly. And welcome to the program. This is the Bill Kelly Podcast, critical discussions for our critical times. I'm your host, Bill Kelly. And uh, we're going to focusing on federal politics. Uh, there's so much going on in Ottawa these days, so much speculation about what's going to be happening in Ottawa in the next little while. And uh, to do that, we're so pleased to welcome to our podcast today uh, an old friend of the program who's been with us for many, many years and offered some incredible insights into the uh, political goings-on in the, our nation's capital. Uh, she is Dr. Laurie Turnbull, Associate Professor and uh, Director of the School of Public Administration at Dalhousie University. Laurie, it's great to have you on the show. Thanks so much for taking some time for us today. Anytime, Bill. It's so nice to talk to you. Yeah, it's been a while, but, uh, you know, we're ever changing, I guess. But uh, uh, as things are in Ottawa these days, uh, in our last episode, when you and I were talking together, uh, there was some concern about uh, the new session of Parliament, uh, what legislation was going to be introduced, uh, whether or not that they were going to have any success at all, uh, trying to deal with the inflation numbers that were coming out and, and were darn right scary in so many different circumstances. Uh, I don't know that we ever saw any of this stuff coming on the horizon about the the, the conflict with India now uh, and 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 the I guess kind of the second version of this uh, concern that we seem to have in Ottawa over the last couple of years now about national security and uh, and political interference from other countries. Oh yeah, it's been quite uh, the session, and it's not we're hardly even into October yet. I, I don't think anybody saw. Um, this situation with India coming. I mean, not in the public anyway, but the first day uh, that the House was back in session, uh, the Prime Minister typically does not come to the House on a Monday, but stood up after question period and said, this is the concern, right? Like we, I have seen credible intel to suggest that the Indian government is, has, was involved in the murder of this man in British Columbia back in June. And so that clearly, um, for a Prime Minister of, G, of a G7 country and um, a Five Eyes country to come out and say that, even though we don't know what the intel is, people take that seriously. People, you know, really kind of snap to attention. They did globally too. Then India responds with, you know, we're we're not the ones with the problem. Canada's the one with the problem. Canada's the one that's uh, been harboring terrorists for years and you know not playing fair. And so this then escalates, right? Because of course India is a country that. Uh, many are hoping will be a force in counterbalancing the rise of China. And so it gets complicated really fast. Uh, but to your point, Laurie, about we don't have all the information. Will we ever have all the information? I mean, because as the Prime Minister and others have told us, this is classified information. Uh, there's concerns about national security. I mean, we all know the, you know, the, the, the justification for these sorts of things. Uh, will this ever see the light of day? We'll never know the whole story, I don't think. No, we typically wouldn't. And I mean, when, the thing about intelligence too, and we talked about this when the foreign interference story really took hold earlier this year, um, it's not all right. It's not all good. It's not all correct, right? You've got, Intel is a whole big mess of things. And that's one of the reasons they don't want to share it is because what if it, a piece of Intel that was not totally true uh, affected things, affected the actions of other countries, affected our relationships. And so you don't want um, that... that the whole intel piece to be all out there and even some of it that is true would be damaging to national security so i can't imagine that we'll ever get the whole picture however 
Uh, you can see there's been ever since the Prime Minister spoke in the House of Commons, you don't want the Prime Minister to be the one that comes out and starts laying out the, the groundwork of that intel, but we've heard from, like there have been a bit of a, you know, dribs and drabs leaks from officials that they've talked about, for example, when, when Indian officials were pressed in a private conversation, they didn't deny this, there's, they, there's intel from Five Eyes, and so we're getting a little bit more meat on the bones in terms of why the Prime Minister said what he said. Well, and uh, I guess some support also from President Biden, who has talked about this. Uh, Anthony Blinken, uh, of course, his uh, Secretary of State, has also made it on this. Those who are responsible have to be held accountable for it. Uh, I would think, and I guess we're kind of into the speculation mode here, though, Laurie, if if there was some falsehood there or some concern about that, you would have think somebody in the Five Eyes would have said, oh, no, uh, let's let's not go there. But they seem to at least sign off on this anyway, if not endorse it. Yeah, and it was interesting at first when the um, in the early hours of it, the Washington Post ran an article that was suggesting, um, you know, that America is not really on side with Canada kind of thing. But then they took it back, and the American government actually came out and made a point of saying, like, there's no light between the two countries, and we, you know, we want we are committed to getting to the bottom of this so that we can understand what happened. But again, like this is a huge moment for international relations broadly. If India as this growing superpower is challenged by a middle power with about something that relates to rule of law and sovereignty. And if we are saying to China and everybody else that we want to take a values-based approach to global trade, and our government has said that multiple times, we've got a problem if we start to take issue with countries on the basis of their human rights record, what do we do with India if the intel says they murdered a Canadian on Canadian soil or they were, they were involved in that? And so it starts to get, you know, but of course the values-based approach is going to be complicated anyway. And you're in a real life situation where how, how do countries manage these things and work together and what if some, and, and India is obviously clearly happy to throw it back in Canada and say, what about your values? Well, yeah, that's uh, as the Chinese did uh, about uh, you know Aboriginal rights in this country, of course, as well. It does sort of explain, though, the rather acrimonious uh, byplay between uh, Modi and and Trudeau at the G20 just a couple of days before that, wasn't it? And as we found out after the fact, uh, the Prime Minister did raise the issue at that meeting, certainly not in front of anybody from the media, uh, but it was pretty frosty between the two. It probably always has been. I don't think these guys really like each other a whole lot, do they? That's it. Like their politics is very different, and I think yeah, we could see the frostiness that was happening and the kind of awkward body language between the two of them. And then bilat didn't happen, and I, a lot of people at the time I can remember were blaming Trudeau for that. And you know, why didn't mm -hmm. our prime minister get a win out of this meeting? And now, and you know, the benefit of hindsight, we're like, oh, now we can see what the problem was. And so yeah, I mean, and and this morning we it, it escalates. It start it's it's getting worse, right? Where they suspended visa services. They're sending diplom. They're saying get your diplomats out of here like you've got a week it's it is not uh getting better uh and at the same time that they the story broke about the diplomats being asked to leave india uh was uh the indian government i guess the indian army specifically uh raided a number of journalists offices uh and looking for materials now they haven't explained exactly what they were looking for but it just i think underscores uh they're two very different approaches to government and to transparency aren't there Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, we can see, I think, what happens again when a, a, a middle power like Canada challenges this global superpower that's emerging to be a major player in um, how geo, like, geopolitical relations take shape over the next number of years. 
again, particularly as the the power relationships have been shifting and you see this growth around China and the US especially has been vocal about how it's managing relationships with China is looking to to India to be a trade partner again as a kind of a global counterbalance and so there's a lot of attention on this issue it's not when when Canada challenge challenges India it's not just Canada challenging India but of course that's what multilateralism is all about and that's how we work with partners the, you know, in past elections, I, mean, I can remember for years and years the conversation we usually had was, look at, uh, when Canadians go to vote, they don't really pay a whole lot of attention to foreign affairs. We know what's going on in the world, but we realize that, you know, Canada is not going to be at, at the front of that pack. It's the United States and Russia and China and, and the UK. Uh, is that attitude changing? I mean, whether the prime minister likes it or not, we, we are sucked into this vortex right now. Of, 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 you know, company or spies versus spies, you know, that old sort of thing. Uh, India with their actions here, China with their actions here, uh, all mixed into this right now in our response for it. Uh, are we ready for it? And, and uh, is this government ready to understand that they're going to have to be a player in this, whether they like it or not? I, I think that we are, because of the, particularly because of the events of the last number of years, uh, COVID, uh, the war on Ukraine, the, the reality of the interconnectedness of countries with respect to how we're going to manage climate change, those issues have become so front and center and they have shown how connected we all are. And I think they've also shown that the dichotomy between international global issues and domestic issues is a false one. Because what's happening in global supply chains, for example, when they get interrupted, um, when there is a shock to the economy because of a global pandemic and there's reactions by way of economic strategies and then inflation crisis and all those sorts of things, we're seeing that we can't. Uh, a, we can't solve these problems alone and B, we can't pretend that domestic issues are not totally related to that. So I think people are going to, ex the voter is going to expect more coordination between a government's global uh, foreign policy and what we're doing at home. Because again, even when um, we, we've, over the past couple of years, when we've talked about trade with the US, even things like, you know, whether Canada is going to have exemptions from some of the strategies that, that Biden has been mm -hmm. doing, like things like that, we, that directly goes to the auto sector in Ontario. And so I think we're going to see more of a fulsome conversation about that. That said, um, yes, elections tend to be about domestic issues. Even And I think that once we do see a campaign take off in earnest, I'm not sure when that will be, but when it is, I think you'll see the dialogue will be pushed toward domestic issues, even though Canada's place in the world is definitely a, a huge factor. Well, it certainly changed the uh, the focus, hasn't it? I mean, we thought going into this session, uh, cost of living, inflation, housing prices, uh, housing supply, uh, were going to be the issues that Polyev and, and the opposition were going to hammer the government on. Uh, you hear nary a mention of it now over the last 10 days or so simply because of this uh, and the, the implications of it. How's, how's this playing out in the nation's capital right now? Uh, what's what's the, the, the word you know behind the microphones here? Is this an issue that's got legs that they're going to have to deal with or are they going to get back into dealing with, as you've mentioned, some of those domestic issues that are bothering Canadians so much? I think there's a couple of things going on here. Like for one thing, I'm not sure yet how the conservatives in particular are going to play, um, how, how they're going to manage, how they're going to, what their strategy is going to be around the escalating situation with India. I'm still not sure what they're going to do about that. Um, 
there's some in the Sikh community are pressing the parties to take a united front on this. They don't want to see the back and forth. They don't want to see this being politicized between the parties. That I think there's a lot of pressure for a kind of unified Canadian approach to this. I don't know if we're going to see that or not. I think there are risks um, to a, a really aggressive strategy on the part of the Conservatives against the Prime Minister's handling of this. I think that could be very risky for a number of reasons, but there it is. Um, this is Speaker Day in Ottawa. Mm -hmm. The buzz on the Hill today is that we're choosing a new speaker. There are eight candidates running. And the reason that we're choosing a new speaker is because Anthony Rota had to resign because of this is issue where this man was, was recognized and celebrated in the gallery during President Zelensky's visit. And as it turns out, this guy fought on the Nazi side of World War II. So uh, that's what's going on now. I think the Conservatives know that they are making a lot of traction on the issue of affordability and housing and cost of living. I know, I think the NDP know that they're resonating on the cost of groceries issue. They are going to keep those issues front and center, absolutely. But the Conservatives also know, I think, that they are resonating on just really taking the shine off of the, off the Trudeau brand. And so something like um, the government's going back and forth with India, now we lost the visa services and students are going to be affected, families are going to be affected. That combined with the screw up on Parliament Hill over this guest of Rota's and why, the you know, why wasn't there more scrutiny and even if it was all Rota's fault, um, I think the Conservatives will sort of, they want to press the government on that in terms of competence, in terms of trustworthiness, and then that speaks to the Trudeau brand. So I think we're probably going to see them play both of those lanes for a while because they're both paying off. Let me ask you about the, the role itself. I mean, we don't pay a whole lot of attention. Uh, question period can get a little out of hand from time to time, and I guess we just kind of figured, well, you know, politicians will be politicians. But it just seems this time around, and not just because of the incident, of course, uh, with the, the recognition when Zelensky was here, but the decorum, or lack thereof. Uh, and I know when you start talking about parliamentary procedures, that's right into your wheelhouse, and, and uh, we're not seeing a whole lot of it. Uh, you know, there's a lot of yelling and screaming, some insults. Uh, uh, you know, does the speaker actually control the room? I know they're supposed to, but are they going to be looking for somebody that can that can bring some decorum and bring some some uh, sensibilities back to to question period in the way that they do business on a daily basis? I mean, all of a sudden, that's become a pretty important role. Oh yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of things that the speaker does in terms of the procedure and the administration of the House of Commons that we don't see a whole lot of, right? Like question period is only one hour of the speaker's day, but that's the one that we all think about because it's the one that most people watch. It's the one that's picked up by the media and we see mm -hmm. this really loud, um, generally useless, um, you know, trying to score points kind of exchange between the parties with no, nothing particularly meaningful about the exchange. And sometimes we see it get personal, nasty, you know, and, and last week it got particularly bad. And it's funny to me, um, all of the speaker candidates have to talk for five minutes about what they want to do as speaker. And prior to that, they'll all go jockeying around and they're buying some sure. and talking to people about, this is why I would be a great speaker. And you would think that the speaker candidates are saying, look, I know this place needs to be brought back to order and I'm going to do that. I'm going to committed to making a more, you know, safe place for people to have a meaningful exchange. But the MPs are the ones who are escalating it. Like to me, yes, the speaker has to find a way to be effective, but if the, if the candidate for speaker is saying to you, the MP, 
I'm going to try to make this better. I'm going to try to you know, bring down the temperature in here. The speaker can only do that so much. He's, the person is only one person. The MPs are responsible for their own behavior and the party leaders are responsible for wanting to encourage a certain type of behavior and discourage other types of behavior. And so no speaker is going to have a magic wand, a mute button, unless we put it all on, on computer again. You, like, they, they are dealing with grown adults. And so the carrots and sticks that a speaker has are limited. And there has to be, I think, some personal ownership on the part of MPs, every single MP, for the way you behave. Speaker's not magic. But there's also pressure within the party, isn't there? I mean, I, I can remember talking with some uh, some rookie MPs and, and, and MPPs in Ontario here when they went into the Ontario legislature, uh, and they were shocked. It may be a little naive, but they were shocked when they were basically told by their party whip, you bang on the desk and you hoot and howl. That's how we get things done, and that's how you get their attention. Uh, and, and whether you want to do it or not, you're going to do it. That's, that's how we play the game here. And I've got to think even these days, uh, as you mentioned, I'm sure that even the backbench MPs, but certainly the ones on the front row on the government side, are figuring this is how we're going to get things done. I mean, as you say, it's all about the soundbite right now. So you want that 10 or 15 second soundbite, that retort or that that you know profound uh, comment that somebody's going to make, followed by cheering and applause, and 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 that's the 10 second clip that's going to be on CTV that night. That's it. Yeah, and that's what you're there. I mean, I guess that's what's, what question period is about. It's not about extracting any information. It's about getting that moment that the media are going to pick up, and then you you're seen to have got, like you've got some line on the government. You've had you had like a a shot that connected. There's some kind of win that you're taking from it, and then you know to the extent that anybody picks that up at all, within a matter of hours they forget about it. Like for the most part, we're just talking about the same exchange day after day. And then, like, the Prime Minister goes one day a week, typically. He goes on Wednesdays, takes all the questions, and then that's it. So we've, I, I think the way that we have seen question period transform over the years has been worked for the worse rather than for the better. It was never golden, but now it just seems to be ever so dedicated to getting that thing that you can use as a clip later. But, I mean, are attack ads really any different? That's why, to be fair... Mm -hmm. What I do, I, I do think, um, would, and this will be studied for years, um, I think that what Pierre Polyev has done with the social media campaign is very interesting. He has, in the process of telling Canadians who he is, he's published these long videos, these YouTube things where he's talking directly to you, he's talking about an issue. And some of them are snarky, some of them are all about how Justin Trudeau is a jerk and you shouldn't vote for him. But some of them are just about Pierre Polyev and what he stands for. and. It's interesting to me that he used that style of, uh, of media and the sort of unfiltered, he's speaking directly to Canadians with no media as an interceptor kind of thing. It'll, it'll be interesting to, to me to see whether that works for him. Because certainly his <laughs> approval ratings are, he's still got a lot of negatives, but his, the Conservatives' approval ratings are way up and he, for his preferred PM ratings are way up. Yeah, they they just don't seem to to like him very much, but they don't like the other guy more. So, so yeah. it, it's it's going to be the battle of uh, you know the lesser of two evils, I suppose, when they get down to it. How do, how is this going to get played out, though, Laurie? As we mentioned with the Indian government, uh, there's going to be you know at, at fifty thousand feet, he's going to have to deal with Modi, and there are trade issues and so many other things that are uh, tied into that. But at the political level here in Canada on our soil, uh, as you and I have talked about in the past, there's a huge Sikh population in this country. Uh, but I, I tend not to think 
that, that those, whether you're talking about the Sikh population, uh, the Jewish population, uh, the Muslim population, I don't think they vote as a block. I, I think that was a perception maybe some years ago, but they don't do that anymore. So it's, it's not as if, well, you know, I've got to reach out to those. There are conservative, liberal, and NDP, and probably green block members or Sikh members. So that's there. So it's not as if there's a political block to follow there, but you've got to be very careful uh, if you're Pierre Pauly ever Justin Trudeau, especially, um, how you handle this and, and the, the sensitivity and the perception that those people are going to be having. Uh, some people that came to this country from India can't stand Modi. Uh, others are supportive of him. Uh, Jagmeet Singh has been very quiet on this issue, too. And, and you have to wonder just how this is going to play out with those members. Well, exactly. And I, I definitely want to echo what you said. I mean, like, this is not a scenario where people vote as a block. Absolutely not. Issues are complex. People are complex. Communities are complex. And there are several political parties to choose from, um, all of whom are going to say some things you like and some things you don't like. I think, to be honest, this is going to be a hard issue for the Prime Minister because um, if this is going to get resolved <laughs> between Canada and India, it's not going to be in public. It's not going to be in the newspaper. It's not going to be something that the Prime Minister can come and report on. My guess is that the best way out of this and the most likely way out of this is that we're going to have a partner like the U.S. act as a broker behind closed doors, try to find a way to make this line up, try to get the two sides to talk. Because right now it's just, they're, they're just completely opposed. And the language between India and Canada is very much uh, not leading in a direction of, of um, reconciliation or common ground, right? So it seems to me that this is going to be something that we're going to need a broker to be able to sort and probably one as powerful as the US and I don't think that they would be hesitant to step into that role but it's not something that the Prime Minister is going to be able to easily walk up to the mic and say okay we fixed this now because I know and I wouldn't expect that's going to happen anytime soon speaking of uh, uh, every time something like this comes up whether it's the inflation rate starting to creep up again uh, whether it's the Chinese uh, involvement uh, of course in, in uh, our government and our politics and now the Indian government apparently seems to have their hand in it as well uh, the rumor mill starts of course uh, and, and I'm sure you've heard it in, uh, on the streets around Ottawa uh, that maybe it's time for, for Justin to take that walk in the snow and the snow's coming to Ottawa by the way pretty soon so it may accommodate him uh, he's adamant that he's going to lead his party into the next election. Uh, there were some people months ago, I guess, Anita Anand comes to mind, and a couple of other cabinet ministers who seem to be, if not outrightly, but at least uh, uh, very coyly, uh, indicating that, yeah, when and if there's an opening, I wouldn't mind taking a shot at the job. Uh, Anand got, well, some people think demoted in this last cabinet shuffle because she might have been a little bit too pushy on that. Uh, so they were quiet for a while, and I, I guess maybe that was the message. Uh, you know, don't you just, just don't don't try to challenge the, the boss here. But Mark Carney made some comments over the weekend, uh, very much along those lines, thinking that maybe it's time for a change of leadership. Now, Justin Trudeau can't get at Mark Carney. He's not a member of cabinet. Uh, but Carney's indicated that he's kind of interested in this, too. Uh, it's an issue, I guess, Laurie, that's not going to go away until he, until he goes away, as long as he's in power. And, I mean, there are still some people that don't think Pierre Polyev should be leading the conservatives. So when you put it into that context. But is there going to be pressure on, on the prime minister to step aside? I mean, when you see the popularity numbers and the polling numbers continue to slide for the Liberals, the, the modus now is not just maybe he's worn out. It's look at, are you going to drag the party down or are you going to step aside for the good of the party? Uh, does he see it that way? I don't think so. 
Um, he is, yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. Like he is an, I think he is a natural campaigner. Uh, I think he's inclined to want to campaign against Pierre Polyev. I think he wants to beat Pierre Polyev. I think there's something very um, personal in that specific competition. And I think they both want it. And so I would be surprised if the prime minister stepped aside. And it's a risk for them if he does, right? Like as much as I, th I can see the polling numbers the same as everybody else, and yes, there is, he has now hit a point where um, his negatives, depending on what poll you look at, are higher than his positives. And he's as much of a, a you know, there's, there's reasons to think that maybe another leader would do a better job. The problem, I think, for the liberals is if, if they went with somebody that was lesser known, you run the risk that the conservatives are going to do something that they are absolutely skilled at, which is defining the other candidate before they can define themselves. Mm -hmm. You like Trudeau, you don't like Trudeau, whatever, he is who he is. They run the risk if they went with somebody else that the conservatives would, would completely brand that person and then they'd be in free fall. Somebody like Mark Carney ha is a different story. I think if the Liberals were going to switch candidate, they, they're going to switch leaders, you can't go down this road of, okay, we're going to have a leadership, we're going to open it up, and maybe these, these people will run, and maybe those people will run, and maybe they won't, and we're not really sure. No, no, no. They will lose the narrative altogether. You need someone to come in who's going to blow the doors off the place, and somebody like Carney might do that, but I can't imagine him doing this unless he was, like, sure he was going to win. I can't imagine him doing this to lose, and that's not an insult. Or a compliment. It's just, he's done a lot of things in his life, right? Like, I'm not sure he's going to take this on if the trajectory looks like the liberals are going to be, you know, on the backbench for a while because they've been in government for eight years. The liberals seem to have a, a hesitancy to accept outsiders anyway to, to the fold, don't they? Uh, it seems loyalty, party loyalty seems to be paramount among uh, the upper echelons in that party. You know, I've been with the party. I sold memberships. I knocked on doors. I'm a, I've been a liberal. My father was a liberal before that, yada, yada, yada. Uh, the other parties, not so much. I mean, if they see a superstar in the, in the, in the wings, uh, you know, they, they don't mind opening the doors and saying, let's see what you got. I mean, you know, Brian Mulroney didn't serve years and years as a backbencher. He just yeah. kind of came in there and, and was the star and, and got the leadership and, of course, eventually government too. I, I agree with you totally. I don't think they would allow or they wouldn't like uh, an outsider coming in uh, to their party right now. But And again, it may still be a moot point uh, because I don't know that the NDP is going to withdraw support. Uh, it kind of looks like, for better or for worse, these guys are going to stick around for at least another couple of years, don't you think? Yeah, and honestly, um, even since Trudeau's been leader, even, like, you know, I'm thinking of, of liberal leaders before him. Um, you know, they, like, honestly, liberals got burned when they they let Ignatiev come in and try to do things and he was, the, the conservatives defined him in 20 minutes and it worked. And so I can't, I can't blame them for being hesitant. But that said, um, politics has changed a lot in the last 10, 15 years. Uh, we are in a world of celebrity brand politics where, you know, people like Trudeau, people like Ford, people like Trump um, have a different kind of cachet and it is an outsider coming in. We are in a world where outsiders come into political parties. We are in a world of entryism. We're in a world where the, the role of the political party to choose the leader has been democratized to a certain extent. But instead of it being the diehard liberals who go to the convention and vote like and paid their money to get there and they're totally invested, now it's just whoever can sign up as many people as they possibly can, whoever signs up the most people wins. That's a totally different style of party politics and so leadership politics too. 
So I've, and people like to win. And so I think that if they thought that Carney was going to get them through the next election and beat Pierre Polyev, um, loyalty is something different now than it was before. I don't, and I don't really know why that's the case, but I think it's shifting. Uh, it's it's going to be a rather tumultuous winter. I can see that happening right now up in Ottawa, and we're so glad that uh, that we can use you as a resource to try to sift through this and try to make some sense uh, out of what's going to be happening. Laurie, a pleasure to have you back on the show. Thanks so much for this today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Take care. And that's it for this edition of the Bill Kelly Podcast. Thanks for listening, and uh, thanks for subscribing as well. As always, we welcome your comments and suggestions. You can reach us on Facebook, on X, formerly Twitter, Instagram, or on email at uh, thisisbillkelly at gmail.com. Until next time, remember, those who don't change, don't change anything. I'm Bill Kelly. This podcast was brought to you by Rebecca Wizens and her team at Wizens Law. Rebecca Wizens is a 20-time winner of the Hamilton Reader's Choice Awards for their exceptional client care and legal practice specializing in personal injury, car accidents, accidental falls, and Wilson Estates. Now, if you or a loved one have been seriously injured, or if you want to make sure that your family is taken care of for the future with the will and powers of attorney, call Rebecca Wizens, 905-522-1102 for a free consultation. When life happens, you can rely on Rebecca Wizens from Wizens Law. And trust me, Rebecca is my wife. I don't know what I'd do without her. That's Wizens Law, 905-522-1102 for a free consultation. Subscribe to my Substack for timely news updates and commentary straight to your inbox. Let's keep the conversation going. I'd love to hear your thoughts on today's episode. Let me know what you think we should be talking about next by contacting me through my website at www.billkelly.co. Thanks for tuning in. This is Bill Kelly. Till next time, you take care. <laughs>